Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, and we are ready for another fun-filled episode of the Brian Nichols Show, the latest and greatest podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. I have a, a really fun episode for you. I teased it last week, and we have a special guest, but I'll get to that in a second. But as always, follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty, and please feel free to subscribe to my Patreon at B Nichols Liberty to help me keep on producing this type of content that you enjoy. Uh, have a question or comment? Please feel free to shoot me an email at the Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com. And if you're interested in this fantastic Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People's Stuff bumper sticker, shoot me an email again at the Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com. And to conclude, please, if you enjoyed today's show, please feel free to go to iTunes, like and review, and as always, share with your friends and family. That's how we spread the message of liberty. And speaking of spreading the message of liberty, I am joined today by a fantastic liberty lover. He is very well known within libertarian circles, and it is my pleasure to uh, to have joining me on the show today. You can find him on Twitter. He's a libertarian-in-chief, Todd Hogpin, I, I, did I get it right there, Todd? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Just about. No problem, Todd. Hagopian. Hagopian. I see. I, it's funny, Todd, because <laughs> before we even started, before the the, the 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 play button got hit, I was I was ready to go. I had your name right, and then and then I'm, I'm in my middle of my. By intro, and I just uh, I get lost there, Todd. But uh, that's all right. It's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Hagopian, Todd, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today on the Brian Nichols Show. And I know we've been going back and forth there for a little bit, trying to uh, to get this set up, and we finally were able to uh, to get things working out in a way that you'll be able to join the show today. And <clears throat> when we were going through the um, the back and forth to get this set up, I basically said, Todd, you know, this is a a, a conversation. I don't want to. You do like an interview or anything like that. I just want to have a conversation because I think your voice, um, especially as a libertarian, um, it's it's very valuable. I think that you have a great audience and you have a great means of trying to reflect libertarian ideals uh, to a larger audience. So with that being said, Todd, can you kind of go ahead and just give us an insight into your personal uh, transformation into a libertarian where, how did you get to where you are today, and uh, really, what what makes you tick as a libertarian? Yeah, it's um, it's actually a story I've thought about just because uh, it's always interesting to understand how you got somewhere. I don't feel like my views have changed all that much, but I certainly have changed on the political spectrum. So I grew up in a extraordinarily liberal town, um, but in a fairly conservative family, and I turned uh, somehow extremely conservative. So. I was a George W. Bush conservative. I actually ran for city council when I was 20, uh, the same year that he ran for president um, as a Republican, where I was clearly going to get trounced. Uh, and I, I just, I loved the conservative mindset of small government. Uh, I wasn't quite old enough and didn't have quite enough experience yet to understand that no one was really in favor of small government. <laughs> so I was trying to. Um, I thought I was doing the right thing, you know, and then after 9/11, got caught up in the in the war on terror, and I terror, and I kind of, you know, I went all in on on um, the neoconservative movement for a little while there, and suddenly I I took a step back and I said, what is going on here? Why are we? I I was listening to myself make some arguments that I just couldn't understand why and how I got there. Um, so whether it be, you know. If you bomb somebody, you know, uh, because they they might attack you, you know, if, if someone lives in that neighborhood, 
then they deserve it. You know, that kind of argument. And I, I started sitting back and going, what, what did I just say? You know, <laughs> or, or, you know, I, I would argue against gay marriage and I would start to think about what I was actually saying and think about whether or not I actually believed it, or if I was just, you know, spouting off what Fox News said that day. Um, and I really, I took probably two or three years off of politics in general and just thought a lot. And, and I constantly talk about on Twitter, you know, how you need to, you need to not ever agree with somebody 100% of the time. Otherwise, you're not applying critical thought to the issues. And I thought real hard for a couple of years, decided, yes, I was a libertarian Republican. I started following Justin Amash really closely. He was in my area in Michigan um, and got very deep into his politics. And then, and then, you know, in 2016, I was completely disillusioned with what happened in the presidential election. And, and I finally just said, you know what, this is not a small government party. This isn't anywhere close to what I believe um, on a number of issues. Uh, they're just too far away from me anymore. And, and I had always been one of those people that you have to vote for one or the other. Otherwise, you're throwing away your vote. And I finally just said, you know what, you, 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 I'm not going to vote between two evils. I'm just going to decide I'm not going to vote for evil anymore. Uh, and that's basically what brought me to my journey to, to join the Libertarian Party rather than just be a Libertarian member of the Republican Party. So I'm I'm still one of the folks that is a Libertarian within the uh, Republican Party. Sure. And uh, I think the, the main reason for me not making the official jump from GOP to LP has been that I'm a little... Uh, uh, what's the the right terminology? I'm a, I'm a little disheartened, shall we say, to watch how uh, the the Libertarian Party as a whole has been managed. Now, obviously, yeah. I I get told in response to that says, well, Brian, the the way to change the Libertarian Party is to get involved, to get uh, to become a member of the Libertarian Party, change it from within, which I always think is ironic because um, that's the exact same argument that uh, people within the uh, the Republican. Uh, libertarian circles <laughs> argue about government. Um, exactly. So I just I find myself a little um, apprehensive in terms of actually taking the official step into Libertarian Party, and a lot of it, like I mentioned, is because it does seem to be um, you know, more or less trying to herd cats. So, you know, if if you could, um, you know, kind of give me your perspective to the Libertarian Party as a whole. Yeah, well, it's a really interesting question. So I actually had a a good long discussion during my journey uh, with Larry Sharp and and asked him some of these questions about, okay, if I'm going to move parties, you know, how can I help this movement? And he and he had some good, good discussion points. It was basically, you know, you can help in a variety of ways. You can run for office, you could run for party leadership, or you can just be an influencer. Um, and, and obviously, given my time constraints, I decided to be an influencer. But, but to your question, I think there are obviously some leadership voids in the party. Um, Nick, I think, does a fine job, but obviously Arvind has been a problem for a long time, and he scares a lot of people away. Um, people that put personal objectives ahead of party objectives or ahead of, more importantly, liberty objectives – um, are just disheartening in general. He was bad enough that Larry Sharp actually left the committee, um, and that was a huge loss for the Libertarians. I think that our past focus on presidential candidates rather than local races have been a um, have probably been a misstep in guiding the party further and getting us um, more more in touch with local issues that would allow us to 
uh, grow as a party. So I'm thinking back to the Tea Party even. Uh, one way that the Tea Party grew in relevance was actually to get on school boards. And they were on school boards all across the country. And and this local government and people started catching on to the message, you know, right or wrong. And we just haven't done that. And I think liberty is such an easy message to tell. It's just unfortunate that we've decided to put all our eggs in one basket once every four years and make, you know, one single issue, potentially, uh, everything that we're going to talk about. And I think there's been some huge missteps. At the same time, I, I would say those exact same things about the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, you know, they've chosen the wrong issues to focus on. They've got horrible leaders in place at the head of their committees, um, and they've had good, good leaders walk away from leadership, you know, for the exact same reason. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we're in any worse position, except that we have a worse starting position, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it absolutely does. I mean, and that's actually kind of funny that that is a it's a. I don't know, it's funny how things like always seem to have like this underlying reoccurring theme. And um, one of those reoccurring themes has been the the concept of, of libertarianism with regards to an application of federalism. So like you were mentioning working the libertarian messaging at a more local level. So in you gave a great example with regards to the school board. Now I, I, I you know fully agree with that because I think if we're able to to lead by example on these local, um, you know, these local boards and these, these local positions and actually show the value behind a libertarian philosophy in action, in government, in the, the local sector. Um, I think that that will be, you know, by and by and large, that the biggest uh, advantage that libertarians can have going forward, because once people realize the the beauty of having government leave you alone and not take your stuff, I, th I think that message will be very, um, very renowned and very appreciated by the people of the community as a whole. I totally agree. And I think there's some huge advantages of local government that gives somebody like the Libertarian Party in that a lot of times you're able to run without a party. So it's nonpartisan. A lot of times these are part-time positions. So you don't have to quit your job to get to, to represent the people. And what I found is that most of the really, really intelligent and really thought-provoking libertarians that I run into have jobs that they're not going to leave um, to run a campaign that they're not going to win. You know what I mean? And that's basically mm -hmm. the choice that they're given um, when they're looking at running for something big. And I think these local levels allow you to run for something like a city council or a mayor or a school board or, you know, something along those lines without making that type of um, quit your job and run commitment that causes people to end up running as libertarian Republicans if they actually do want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I would take it a step further, if I, if I may, and I think a lot of the, the problem that a lot of uh, individuals in the libertarian party or just the greater libertarian movement um, in terms of actually running for office is that they there's a stigma that's associated with the the name libertarian um, you know we, there, there's been polling that's come out in, in recent years that show that uh, when when you poll Americans by and large a, a actual a very strong majority of Americans uh, self-identify as libertarian but without the libertarian name as soon as you attach libertarianism in in name to what it is they actually believe that number drops, you know, dramatically. So it seems to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, but it seems that there is this 
very big disconnect between um, the libertarian messaging and the libertarian philosophy, where the philosophy itself is strong and, and rooted uh, you know, in strong philosophy and, uh, and principles, whereas the messaging, and you, you did touch on it there mentioning Arvin Vora, the, the vice chair of the yeah. Libertarian Party, where the, the, the public relations, the face of liberty, is, is very lacking. Um, so could you speak to that in a little bit, just uh, you know, based on your experience? Sure. No, and I completely agree. There's been there's been horrible messaging coming from the National Committee and mostly mostly Mr. Vora. I mean, you can't compare public school teachers to Nazis and have the average American resonate with that message. You know, you need to you need to at least be able to explain your thought if you're going to make an argument like that, even though I disagree with the argument in general, but you need to be able to explain your thought and it needs to not be done in 140 characters. I mean, we have a president right now who tries to do that frequently, take big ideas and boil them down to 140 characters. And it, it's just meant to inflame and cause, you know, um, cause some narcissistic, uh, you know, I don't know, pleasure out of it. We need to have people that are, they're voicing the, the word liberty and trying to explain to people what that means. We have to be beyond the party of marijuana and we have to be talking about stuff like we are not going to put you in jail if you don't cause harm. That's a much more, uh, that's a message that people can resonate with rather than just uh, marijuana laws all the time. We, we need to understand or help people understand that we're not just greedy people. We just want you to earn the money that you earn and, and not give away money that you don't want to or that you're forced to. There's, there's clear messages that we can deliver um, and they aren't hard to deliver at the local level or the federal level, level. but we need our loudest people not to be our most obnoxious. That's kind of what we have today. <laughs> and that's always, the, I think it's a reoccurring theme across um, you know, pretty much any political party is that the, uh, the, the squeakiest wheel gets the oil. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's and, exactly right. uh, and that's unfortunate because in the Libertarian Party, a lot of the uh, the loud voices are sometimes, as as you were kind of alluding to, the the most um, the most destructive voices. Unfortunately, which is a a sad reality. Um, now, yeah. I, I I did want to kind of circle back to 2016 because you did mention that there in the beginning, and that was kind of yeah. it seems like that was like one of your really big um, you know the first steps, if you will, into truly getting involved in the Libertarian Party. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I never even really considered joining the party. Um, up until that point, I was perfectly content being a libertarian Republican. All right, because um, the reason I asked that is because obviously the Libertarian Party in 2016 had a really big decision to make. Um, it was either, uh, <laughs> number one, go endorse a guy in, in John McAfee, uh, who, you know, tech mogul, but uh, let, let's just be as blatantly honest as we, as we can. And I'm saying this with, with the... the statement saying, I really want John to come on my show because he's, he's talking about running for president again as a libertarian in 2020. Sure. Yeah. Um, but John, he has a little bit of a, a rough around the edges uh, public relations issue that we're going to have to face in 2020 if he's a nominee. Um, then we had a, a guy in Austin Peterson who, you know, he's, he was young, uh, well-rounded, very, uh, very well-spoken, and, and was able to present the libertarian message very adequately uh, and, I think, uh, in a very easy way to understand to people outside the movement. Uh, and then you had someone like Gary Johnson, who, you know, he's been a libertarian presidential candidate in the past, uh, former Republican governor, um, and he he had the quote-unquote credibility as a former governor to then win the nomination. So 
really we came down to those those three individuals and ultimately um gary ended up winning the nomination so when you as as somebody new into the libertarian party in 2016 watched that happen what was kind of your reaction yeah so so first of all i i jumped on board uh with austin or sorry with uh yeah mr peterson mm. real hard i wrote him a um recommendation that got a lot of uh, press and that kind of jump started me into the movement actually and then um and i was disappointed when he lost but i had always respected gary johnson and i thought he had a a interesting ticket put together with him and mr weld i thought that they were going to do well i thought that they would probably end up being well funded although i thought that that was a awful um awful reason for people to vote for him and i thought that that's one of the reasons that he and mr weld won their respective nominations um, so I wasn't extraordinarily excited that the libertarians seemed to choose money over principles. Um, although I was okay because Gary Johnson had been the nominee before and he had obviously led the party for quite a while. Um, frankly, I think that Gary Johnson crumbled under the pressure and Bill Weld, uh, embarrassed everybody by essentially advocating for Hillary Clinton at the end, um, or at least not advocating mm -hmm. for his running mate. Uh, however you want to decide what he said or how he said it, he he essentially chose Hillary over his running mate, which was a disaster, um, made a joke out of the nomination. And so at that point, obviously, I was I was distraught. That was a horrible uh, couple of days there and, and did not help us in the end. I don't know where we would have been otherwise, probably not that much better. Um, but yeah, as a new libertarian, I would say the two things that disappointed me most were probably the fact that it felt like we chose money a little bit but i wasn't so sure until now that bill weld is getting all the support um that really that really starts to make it look like we're valuing you know votes over over uh platform which is unfortunate because that's exactly what the other guys do and i'd hate to see this party i'd hate to have to leave again just to find a party that actually cared about principles so let me ask you this then because this is where my my political brain kicks in because so um, you know, my, my background is in, is actually in politics as like, you know, on, on actual campaigns. And sure. I mean, obviously the, the goal, which I, I mean, I say this because there has been this like long, long standing kind of debate within the libertarian party. It is, you know, is the libertarian party a, a party that actually is supposed to win elections or is it supposed to be this, um, kind of like this, like a think tank for libertarian ideals almost, um, now, with that being said, looking at someone like Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, more more respect, uh, no, more specifically in this case, Bill Weld. Um, Bill Weld, I, I would dare say, he had the ability to he had the ability to really bring in, uh, and, and you, as you touched on the, these big donors, and to bring in votes to actually then maybe get the Libertarian Party not necessarily a, an electoral victory, but this positioning on a national stage of credibility. Um, so, I mean, kind of, what's your perspective of the Libertarian Party? Is the Libertarian Party supposed to be able to just just to actually win elections, or is it more along the lines of trying to, to foster this um, think tank of libertarian ideals? Yeah, I mean, I would say long-term, the goal has to be to win elections, but only if you're winning elections on your ideals. I can't imagine that you know, the conservative Republicans of the 1980s would be extremely proud of the positions that Donald Trump is taking right now. Now they are, but they just wouldn't have been 30 years ago. 
you know what I mean? And, and it's, uh, I think that you have to be able to stick to your principles and win elections. Otherwise, you don't deserve to win those elections. Otherwise, let's just have 10 people run and put $50 million each in and see who comes out as the most popular. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a matter of winning elections at all costs. That's not good enough. And that's what causes parties to end up dying or to end up falling out of favor. And so I think, frankly, I guess the answer to your question is we have to win elections. That has to be the goal. But if we can't do that on our ideals, then we shouldn't be winning anyway. So so looking ahead to uh, 2020, um, right now it seems like the, the top names that are, are seeking the nomination so far have been um, Adam Kokesh, who I, I had in my show a couple months ago. Um, and John McAfee has uh, mentioned that he is intending to seek the nomination again in 2020. And then uh, it sounds like Bill Weld, even though he hasn't actually come out and, and you know vocally stated you know 100% yes I am running as a libertarian in 2020 for president. It seems like Bill Weld is going to be the the next candidate um, in another. It seems like another uh, you know three way race there for the nomination. So. You know, looking at who we are looking to potentially lead the party in 2020, what, what's kind of your thoughts on on who we have a, as potential representatives for the Libertarian Party? Yep. So I'm a big fan of Adam Kokesh. I, I'm not necessarily um, a fan of all of his policies. I think that Bill Weld, if, if we end up, you know, nominating a 72-year-old who, who submarined us at the last second in the last election – just because he's got money and he's well-spoken, then shame on us. We have a lot of well-spoken people in this in this party. I think it's still early. It's too early to say there's not going to be another pragmatic um, libertarian that's going to join the race. I would love to see, you know, a Larry Sharp join the race after New York makes another mistake in their gubernatorial election. Um, I'd love to see Nick consider it. I'd like to see, you know, um, I'm blanking on Mark Rutherford in Indiana. Big fan of his. Mm-hmm. I think there's some folks out there right now who could jump in after their 2018 elections um, that could be that pragmatic voice who are both well-spoken, you know, not late 70s and have not submarined the party in a way um, that Bill Weld has. I, I just think that awarding, rewarding somebody who did that it w- would just be a mistake. And then what are you, what are you, how are you building your bench by doing that? So if we if we were to to nominate someone, um, you know, let's say Adam for instance, I I really yeah. did enjoy my conversation with Adam there um, on my show a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago rather. So I mean, if we were to nominate someone like Adam, what do you see the role of the 2020 nominee nominee for the Libertarian Party to be when facing? Um, what, I mean, it appears to be Donald Trump, and then whoever the Democrats nominate, be it Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, um, you know, Elizabeth Warren, et cetera, et cetera. What's the role of the libertarian candidate going into 2020? Yeah. So, I mean, if we, if we were to nominate somebody like Adam, I think the role would be to start the conversation. Anybody who's talked to Adam knows that he can get a conversation going. Um, he'll be in the news. He'll, he'll be able to make his points succinctly. He'll be able to drive home the thought of liberty and he'll, and he'll try and cage it in in a pragmatic view. Um, I would argue that a lot of his pragmatic views probably aren't pragmatic to the to the average Joe in the U.S. Um, so that might be a hard sell. But I think he would get libertarians excited. I think libertarians would be every bit as excited for Adam Kokesh as somebody like a Bill Weld. Um, but again, I would hope that we would 
geared towards a slightly more pragmatic candidate who could actually make an argument that um, that they're the only small can- small government candidate in the race and make a small government argument and a pro-liberty argument rather than a no government argument. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I mean, I did want to kind of touch on um, the the alternative. And that, and that is that yeah. you know, it, it looks like Bill Weld, he, he definitely um, has some support within the, the larger libertarian party movement. And I don't think that that should be discounted. I'm not saying you are, but I'm just saying I think um, a lot of libertarians, especially the more um, you know, staunch, principled libertarians, look at Bill Weld, and as you mentioned, his his tacit endorsement of Hillary Clinton there at the end of the 2016 race, um, it was really a big slap in the face. And I, I've seen Bill has been going out on this, um, I don't want to say it's an apology tour, but it kind of comes across that way, um, to libertarian conventions basically saying, hey, you know what? Here's why I did what I did. I'm not really going to apologize for it, but I'm explaining why I did it. Um, and and at the same point in time, I've seen some of the, these you know, leading voices in the libertarian, uh, either the greater libertarian movement or ac- the actual libertarian party, who are raising questions to Bill um, about libertarian philosophy. And I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I think that Bill's actually had some good answers um, to those questions. So... I guess one question I raise myself, and there's no right or wrong answer, I'm just genuinely curious with regards to, to Bill Weld is, do you think, I mean, is, is Bill Weld actually a libertarian um, at the, the core, number one, and number two, even if he's not necessarily, you know, a quote-unquote pure libertarian, is that okay on a national stage when we're trying to win over non-libertarians to, to you know, not only look at our party, but ultimately pull the trigger and vote for a libertarian? Yes. Okay. So I believe that Bill Weld is in favor of small government and Bill Weld is in favor of the Bill of Rights. Um, and and that is, he is probably, you know, centrist, libertarian or libertarian Republican, but those lines get blurred pretty easily. Um, and, and just to be fair, I haven't given Bill Weld much of a chance or even a thought since 2016, because at that point I said I would never vote for him again. If he was the only pragmatic libertarian in the race, I would give him a shot and I would take a look at his platform and I would listen to him and and make my decision. Um, So could he be good for the libertarian party if he is the one that can go out and articulate small government and the benefits thereof and why small government means pro-liberty? That would be something I would be interested in. And I have heard other libertarians say that they're impressed with them. I've had debates on Twitter, obviously, with people who are in favor of him already and are running, you know, helping him to get his campaign set. Um, but I, I'm i just not there. Does that make sense? I, I believe he's well-spoken. I think he's for small government. I think he's for the Bill of Rights. I think he, um, is he a pure libertarian? No, otherwise he would have been for more than the last 18 months, you know, and, <laughs> and he probably would have been a libertarian in November when we needed him. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's a small government guy that can help us get the point across. But again, I don't think we need to be a party that that picks the person who's going to get the most votes. Um, and I I think small government is just one part of being a libertarian. No, I understand that. Yeah, and I and I do think a lot of libertarians would agree for sure. Um, I guess it's it's just part of my my still being in the Republican Party officially. Um, you know, just in order, I, I I look at it a little differently. I mean, I. Uh, did speak so I had Dean Clancy on my show back in February 
And uh, we, we kind of actually, we had this conversation, you know, what is the role of the Libertarian Party? Um, and, you know, from his perspective as a former White House policy advisor, he he is a Republican, um, you know, by name, but at, at the core, he's a Libertarian. And he, he basically is in the mindset that the Libertarian Party is there to keep the GOP honest in, in its um, in its voting. And obviously, with the election of Donald Trump, that doesn't seem to... Uh, to have really carried, carried over too well. Um, though some could argue that Donald Trump's done a few libertarian things, and I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due, but then I see Donald Trump with his approach to the immigration issue and into fair trade versus free trade. I'm, I cringe. Um, but, I mean, with that being said, uh, looking at the the likes of a Bill Weld, I mean, as much as I want to, to cast stones at him and be like, Bill, what you did in 2016... Was, was so destructive and it, it really did hurt us and and you know the likes I, I I find myself you know putting my stone down because I I guess it, and again it's still my mindset I just want to see the libertarian party win um and I I think you you made a really good point that Bill Weld is a small government guy and I don't necessarily know if that's if that's really a bad thing in terms of running for president of the United States, if the goal is to try and, and like actually spread libertarianism to a an audience of, of individuals and voters who maybe are a little, um, I'd say, you know, not necessarily agnostic, but they're just they haven't experienced truly what is libertarianism because it's it's been so misconstrued by media types. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, and and absolutely, and I guess what I'm saying is I'll be voting for a small government guy, not a no government guy, in the Libertarian primary. You know what I mean? So, oh, absolutely. So we need a small government guy. What we need is somebody who can articulate what small government means for freedom, and then and then my secondary and more important uh, requirement essentially would be that I actually believe that person's a Libertarian. You know, I think that you you really made a really good point in terms of you know get uh, with bill weld <clears throat> yeah he he has this ability to convey libertarianism but it doesn't seem necessarily genuine does that make sense yeah that's yes. exactly right i mean we have you know millions of libertarians in this country we need to find some that are true libertarians that want to go and make these arguments and are well spoken and there's lots of folks out there that can do that and i just think if he can't be a libertarian in November of 2016, in the moment that we absolutely needed him, even if he were to be the nominee and he were to actually beat Trump and Biden on a debate stage and he were to somehow get elected, what is he going to do when that first budget comes? You know, is he going to increase military spending? Is he going to fold under congressional pressure? Is he going to start his reelection campaign? All I know is what I saw in November of 2016 when the chips were down, and that scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so let, let's let's uh, move forward here as we get ready to wrap up. Um, I did I did want to kind of you know get your perspective, Todd. You know, you you it seems you've taken kind of libertarian approach in terms of being the activist on the side, which is great because that role is needed. Um, you know, as you were kind of talking with Larry Sharp says, that's, that's one of the greatest ways to do it. Um, you know, and I, I strongly agree and I try to lead by example as well with the show. So, you know, looking at the libertarian party here in 2018, if you would kind of give it some words of wisdom to the libertarian party and the libertarian leaders, what would it be going into the, uh, the 2018 election? 
yeah, I mean, I, I really wish that every state party would take a look at the key libertarians in their state and the key libertarian Republicans in their state and have discussions about the open positions that are open. Forget about president for a minute, maybe even forget about senator. Get a good, solid gubernatorial candidate and a whole bunch of mayoral and city council candidates. Look at some state representatives. Try to find folks in the Republican Party who are absolutely disgusted at what they're being tasked with right now. And now is the time to switch. At one point I had talked about, you know, a signing day, national signing day, and whether we could get this going. And basically it was the thought of all these Republicans out there right now. And so many of them are disgusted at their own party, but they can't say anything because they're beholden to the donors or it's their job. And what we need to do is talk to every Republican out there right now and find out who's on the fence and see if we can get all of them in one day to flip over and say, I'm going to run next time as a libertarian. And all of a sudden, instead of three elected officials out there, we have 72, you know, or 24 or whatever that number is. But we make a big splash along with announcing a whole bunch of gubernatorial runs and a whole bunch of city council runs. What we need is some coordinated action that gets good, solid candidates that can spread the word of liberty in every town in America instead of relying on you know, a, a presidential candidate who may or may not get on TV ever. All right. Well, listen, Todd, I appreciate you, uh, taking the second to, uh, to join us today. Um, I think you, you definitely brought a, a much needed perspective, um, to the libertarian party. And I think we had a really great conversation and I, hopefully the, the audience thinks so as well. Um, so yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if, if you enjoyed today's episode, again, feel free to uh, to go over to iTunes, like and review and share today's episode. Um, and again, you can follow me over on Twitter at BNicholsLiberty, um, but also on Facebook and on Patreon. And if you're interested in the uh, Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People Stuff bumper sticker, send me an email at thebriannicholsshow at gmail.com. As for uh, Todd Hagopian, which I got right the second time, Todd, where can other folks follow, follow you? Yep, you can follow me at Todd Hagopian on Twitter, T-O-D-D-H-A-G-O-P-I-A-N. And you are the Libertarian in Chief. That's a great uh, a great profile. And you got the coveted yeah. blue check mark. Todd, tell him to How shoot me that? one my way, please. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Todd, thanks so much for joining me. And to you, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, actually, for the first episode this week, this is a special week. Ladies and gentlemen, you're getting two episodes this week. Um, so kudos to you. You got uh, Todd Hagopian here. Uh, this uh, start the week off, and then later on, we're going to have Philip Page running for New York State Assembly up in uh, northern New York. He'll be joining us uh, for the Friday show. So until Friday, ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk then. <laughs>